Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations, metrics, and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys here today joining me. We've got another special guest. Every guest I bring on here is special, but this one is no different. Uh, He is an advisor and coach to professional services agencies in advertising, marketing, media, and public relations, all very relevant, I'm sure, to whoever is listening right now. And he spent his whole career working in agency, new business development and marketing, helping agencies acquire new business and position themselves. And now he's helping other agencies master that skill and set themselves up for success. He's also the host of a really great show called the Dendrocast, which I was recently on. So make sure you go check that out in the show notes if you're looking for more awesome podcasts to listen to to help you grow your agency. And Today, he's here hanging out with us. So with all that, I want to welcome you to the show. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. It's always a good day when you get to sit down and talk to the amazing Zach Hyder. Oh, gosh. Wow. That's such a <laughs> nice intro. I'm going to start doing more of these, Marcel. I'm always, I'm always on the other side of this, uh, the mic setup here. So it's nice to be on this side for once. Well, I hope I do half as good a job at asking you questions as you did uh, when I came on your show. And uh, overall, I hope that we can both do a great job of creating value for those that are listening today. Which I got to tell you, man, I've had some great conversations. People loved your interview. Um, They said nobody ever looks at that issue, profitability, um, like specifically. So I've gotten a lot of compliments about it. Well, that's why I do it. But for for those of you that are curious and want to check out that episode um, where Zach interviewed me on his show, I'll leave it in the show notes. And there's lots of other great content on that podcast. So make sure you subscribe to that as well. Um, But with all that, Zach, I've given everyone a little tidbit about who you are, but um, I'd love to give you the opportunity to just explain, you know, what you do and who you do it for and get everyone familiar with where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, so I, I went out on my own a few years ago um, and started a consultancy that really focuses on just agencies, uh, agencies in all the different sort of fields, marketing, advertising, PR, media, uh, and really just helps them with kind of their overall strategic direction. Um, I say growth. Growth is such an overused term, though, but... Um, you know, business, a lot of business development, but really trying to help agencies figure out what the hell business we're even in anymore. Um, as you know, Marcel, just given the work you do, the, the industry is going through a lot of tumult. Uh, disruption is sort of the buzzword of the day. And I just saw an opportunity. I'd, I'd spent my career at agencies. Um, you know, I, I spent the last five years uh, before going out and starting this consultancy uh, really sort of building and running uh, an agency with a couple guys here in, in the Portland metro area. And, you know, just, I kind of, I realized part of the business that I liked was the actual business, right? I wasn't, I didn't enjoy clients as much. Um, you know, it's, it's always good to sort of keep your edge and sort of understand how to do the work. But really what I loved is sort of saying, okay, how are we going to get to the next level? How are we going to push 
the envelope in terms of the kind of agency we're going to be. And I just realized I could do that not just for one agency, but for many agencies. And here we are. Awesome. So how long ago was that that you made that full transition into consulting? Oh, it was right after the 2016 election. Uh, I made the decision. Oh, man, because I was so depressed. Like October or <laughs> November, December of that year, I was like in a black hole of depression, as I think a lot of people were. And it was like, sort of around that Christmas time that I said, you know what, I need a change. I'm, I was getting pretty burnt out, um, just overworked, really just a lot of anxiety, just trying to hold an agency together. As, as everybody out there listening knows, it's really tough. And I just said, okay, I need to do something different. Um, and so I left my firm, yeah, and end of right, right at the end of 2016. Cool. And so since then, you've been working with agencies. Um, what's the coolest thing that you have worked on so far as a consultant? What's uh, the thing that oh. you uh, get excited about? Or when you're having a bad day, you remind yourself like, hey, I did that. Yeah. Oh, they're all cool, Marcel. Right? <laughs> all my clients that are listening, they're all, you guys are all cool. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I enjoy. I'll, I'll tell you what really gets me excited. Um, and I, I had a conversation with a client very recently and I, I told him, I said, you know, here's the thing that I really love is when, when a CEO, so I work with founders, owners, the CEO, decision maker of the agency. Um, I've really tried to sort of be very selective and careful about not getting too sucked into the agency itself. So even though I work with agencies, I actually try not to work with the agency. I try to work directly with the CEO, founder. Um, but, you know, I, I had this conversation with a client that I'm working with, have been working with for the last year. And I said, you know, here's the thing that I just, what gets me so excited is when you see that they're listening, Right this business is so full of type A's who, you know, our, our bread and butter is looking confident, acting confident, having answers, knowing what to do, being responsive, you know, go, go, go. And it's hard, I think, for a lot of agency owners to slow down and really truly listen and be willing to hear stuff that maybe isn't the most flattering. Um, we're also a business that's great at bullshit. Like we are, we have to sell ourselves every day in this business to get clients to pay a lot of money to do things. And sometimes you are working with a CEO, working with a founder who hasn't ever really been told no much. And so I love it. I, the, the cool part is when you see the gears turning in the client's head and you're going, okay, you're, you're hearing what I'm saying and you're about to sort of make some changes that you know are going to be hard. Like I, I love that. Any, anytime someone's willing to do that, I, I get excited. Yeah, I love that. I can totally resonate with that. Um, you know, I don't work with a lot of clients either, but certainly when they actually take what you say and apply it. And then for me, when you see it reflected in the data a little bit after that, and you can point to them and say, look, look at this graph, look how much better it is now. That's a yeah. really good feeling. It's always a good feeling. So you've been doing this for a few years. Obviously, you have some great clients, you've done some great things. And working as somebody who kind of um, looks at the industry of agencies and is not necessarily in the agency of industries. It doesn't take long for us to start to see patterns. And I'm mm -hmm. curious to know um, from your perspective, what are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing agencies make um, that are affecting their growth, affecting their success that you're most often, you know, coming in to help them solve? 
Well, I mean, I'd say thematically, Marcel, the biggest thing that I'm seeing is the mistake of thinking that this is going to last, that the, the period of growth that we've been in for the last 10 years is, is going to last. You know, if you go back and you look at, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure every, every metro market has its stories about the sort of 2008 to 2010 period where there's just agencies, it was just a graveyard of, you know, former once were great agencies that just were no longer, you know, and you looked up and there's a very different market in about 2012. And I think we've been on a good run. Um, you know, I have a lot of agencies that sort of want to, you know, pull me in and, and want my help with a piece of their business development process or a piece of like, hey, we, we just feel like our pitch could be better. And you kind of get in there and you realize like, wow, there, there's actually a bigger strategic positioning process here that you guys are going to maybe need to kind of take a hard look at because this, this economy is not going to keep up. They can't mathematically. If you just talk to any economist, they'll tell you it's going to shift. And, and here, Marcel, I think is the mistake, is thinking that the economy that we're working in today, which has been very good to agencies, I had, a, I had an agency CEO that once said, if you're not making money running an agency right now, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I think it's true. Like the clients are spending money. The economy is good. But what's going to happen is a series of things are going to start to shift and it's going to be felt more when we experience whatever version of a recession we'll go through in the next, you know, five years, which I think every economist feels like is probable. You know, in housing, more and more brands are not relying on agencies or at least not relying on agencies the same way. Um, it, just in terms of the role that agencies will play, the media that's going to continue to shift. I mean, think about how different the media landscape is today compared to what it was five years ago. Then add on top of that, an economic downturn. Everything will begin to sort of, like all the fat I think is going to get pulled out of this industry. And there's going to be a lot of agencies that were sort of making money and, and profits, which is your area, um, by sort of living in the fat. And when all of a sudden that's all pulled away and there's really only the muscle left. It's going to be the strong, innovative, you know, looking five years out agencies that are going to still be standing. Um, and, and to be honest, I think a lot of agencies don't really want to change right now. They're like, Hey, things are pretty good. And I always have to tell them, I'm like, then, I, then don't hire me to help you with your agency today. Help me to hire you with your agency, you know, five years from now, where, where are you going to be and how are you going to get there? Mm. That's a really interesting point. I think it's something that a lot of people don't really take the time to step back and consider is how is the market changing? How is this, you know, how is this whole landscape going to shift with the economy? Um, and so to that point, I'm interested to know your perspective on what agencies should be doing to prepare for that shift. Well, I mean, part of what I think every agency should be doing on a regular basis is just prioritizing the agency. I mean, this industry is so good at service, the sort of service mindset, making clients happy, being responsive, um, you know, just go, go, go. I mean, you know, this is an, a business that's full of very high energy, um, uh, you know, personalities. And yet I find a lot of agencies aren't paying really any attention to their own brand, which is the agency itself and sort of neglecting it. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, part of what every agency needs to be doing is saying, okay, what's our plan for ourselves? How are we treating ourselves like a client? 
um, where do we think our market's going to be or where do we think the market that we're currently in, how do we think it's going to change? I mean, I had an agency come to me recently that works in a very specific uh, vertical of sort of PR and marketing. And the last several years, which have been good, they've noticed that that vertical has become much more fragmented and they're starting to panic a little bit and say, oh, wow, we're in this sort of, you know, industry where, you know, we don't know that there's necessarily going to be revenue coming from these, uh, these two revenue streams in the next five years. And we don't know what to do about that. We don't know how to fill that gap. So I think just really sort of doing some diagnostics on yourself and, you know, are you in a business that's even going to be in business um, over the next decade? And, you know, asking yourselves questions like really hard stuff, you know, could we be replaced by automation and programmatic? I mean, just starting with something like that and then saying, if that were to happen, how would we stay relevant? How would we survive uh, automation coming and, and replacing a fundamental aspect of what we do, whether it's, you know, writing or, you know, creative or media. Um, and just really kind of holding a mirror up on a daily basis and saying, are we, are we really asking ourselves the tough questions to be prepared for, you know, what's going to happen? Hmm. And do you feel like um, increasingly, I, this is just my own kind of take on what I see happening. Do you feel like, the full service agency is still going to kind of have a place in the 10 years out spectrum, or do you feel like specialization? Like obviously this is contextual, but um, I feel like there's some agencies that are probably better fit to just really niche down and specialize and productize and get good at doing something that has some longevity. Whereas there's probably other ones that need to, you know, yeah. continue to do the full service offering, but think about it differently. What's your take on, you know, niching down versus having a lot of services? I, so I, I it's so funny you asked this question, Marcel, because I get this question all the time <laughs> and I don't really have an answer. I, I, I don't have the answer. I have an answer, I should say. Um, you know, I, I will say I, I've seen clients that are like, now nope, you got to specialize. You don't specialize. You're dead. You know, this is an industry of specialists now. And I have clients that are like, oh, if you're not fully integrated, if you're not full service, you know, if you can't do it all, you know, that's, that's what our clients want. I think it depends on the industry and I think it depends on the client base and I think it depends on what works for your agency and your willingness to sort of, you know, walk away from stuff that either isn't full service if you're niche or isn't niche if you're full service. And, you know, a lot of agencies, as you know, Marcel, have a very hard time not with getting going out and winning business, but being really clear about what they don't do mm-hmm. more than anything else. Uh, I do feel like what's happening is there, there, there will be, to answer your question, there will still be space at the table for the full service agency. Now, will it be full service agency of record type, uh, you know, contracts and clients that probably is starting to kind of go the way of the dodo. I think more brands are because they're building in-house resources. They're turning to those full service agencies or project work. Um, it's shorter term. It's, it's sometimes less strategic, a little more tactical. Uh, you know, sometimes they come to the agency with a, with a strategy and a brief already baked here, here's what we need. Um, that's, I think sort of disrupting the way those full service agencies have a tendency to kind of interact with clients on the specialization side. I mean, there's just so many places to specialize and because clients are going more and more project based, 
I think those, um, those kind of specialty service areas that are really sometimes super technical, some of them, you know, it's way above my head. I have a, an agency I was having dinner with last week that's doing some deep B2B stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is you know, <laughs> totally out of my zone of expertise. But yeah, I think those are going to continue, especially as everything digitizes and automates and becomes, you know, a, a lot more uh, sort of built around the kind of Amazon ecosystem that we all live in now. Um, I think there's going to be room at the table for both. Everybody always wants my prediction as to sort of who's going to win that race. I don't know. I, I have a feeling that there will still be full service agencies 10 years from now. There will just be a lot more specializations to specialize in. Yeah. I mean, my hot take on this is really that it always comes back to a solution to a problem, right? And some full service agencies, they solve a problem for a company by being a full service agency. But as soon as the focus on solving that problem is lost, and as soon as there isn't a problem for you to solve anymore, then that's, I think, where the fundamental issue comes from. And that's always going to end up being kind of the the crux of this whole thing. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that, Marcel, because to be honest with you, I, I, you know, I, I watch, I work with a lot of agencies on let's deconstruct your pitch, you know, going in and looking at materials, going in and looking at like, what is your elevator speech? Why does, why do I, the client care about your agency? Why should I hire you? And one of the things that I think more and more agencies need to start getting much more sophisticated about is stop selling me services, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we can do that, you know, full service creative. Here's all the things we've done. Here's our, you know, portfolios. I don't think brands really care. Not every brand doesn't, you know, there's a lot of people that still want those services, right? But I think the ability for agencies to go in and think more like business consultants who can look at a business problem and say, okay, how does this chief marketing officer in that division of this company, how, how can it be responsible for helping move the needle on that business problem and really approaching it that way. And agencies, I don't think by and large think like that or sort of look at their problems that way. They, they still think in terms of impressions. They still think in terms of, you know, creative process. They get way too down in the services weeds and really never are able to go in and say, here's how we're going to solve this issue. Right. So how we're going to make you more competitive and how we're going to increase, you know, these metrics. Um, so I think that's that's probably a big component of what's going to happen in the market. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, like to your point, I think having clarity on that problem, being able to say like, you know, we help B2C consumer packaged goods companies, uh, you know, get more, whatever the outcome is, like right? more sales, yeah. more shelf space, you know, bigger yeah. orders, like 
whatever that is, if you can be an expert at solving that problem, then it doesn't really matter what the business structure on the back end looks like. If you're a collective, if you're a full service agency, if you're a specialist, but there's always going to be needs and, and needs are going to change no matter how much the tech landscape changes, no matter how much brands bring people in house needs are still going to be there. They're just maybe going to be different. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad we jumped down this rabbit hole. I think that was a, that's a fun one, one to jump down. <laughs> I want to shift gears a little bit um, because I think one thing that's interesting about you, Zach, is you've got the experience running your own agency up until, you know, fairly recently, 2016, not that long ago. And now you've been coaching for a long enough time that you've got a lot of experience with that as well. And I'm sure that there was some overlap to some extent as you were running your business, you probably had peers that you were helping. And I think as we all do. And so you had the unique perspective of having, I'm sure, worked with lots of coaches and consultants and now worked with lots of clients. And you have this interesting viewpoint where you can kind of understand what it's like to be on both sides of that conversation and that experience. Right. So um, the first thing that I'd like to ask is if I'm an agency and I'm listening to this show, what are some symptoms that I might be feeling that mean it's time for me to start looking for somebody to bring in to help me overcome whatever obstacles I have in front of me that might be preventing me from being as successful as I need to be? Hmm. Um, well, I, there's a, there's a short list of things that I hear a lot. Um, you know, when, when I get an outreach from an agency, you know, what, what's interesting about that question, Marcel, is a lot of times people come and they're like, I don't really know what the problem is. I just know that something's off. <laughs> Um, and so you kind of then like a lot of times I'll start saying, okay, well, give me an example of sort of what's making you uncomfortable. And they'll say, you know, we've just lost the last several pitches and we're not really sure why. And we keep trying to tweak it and we keep trying to, you know, outthink the competition and it's just not working. So we're not sure. And then you get into that process and you begin to realize, wow, it's really, it's not necessarily your pitch deck. It's the process by which you guys are going through even identifying opportunities and you're probably identifying the wrong opportunities and spending a lot of time pursuing them. Um, other times, you know, the CEO will call me and just say, you know, growth is flat. Um, we're getting our ass kicked by this one, you know, competitor that didn't used to be in our rear view and now is, you know, ahead of us and we don't know what happened. And you start looking at, okay, well, you guys are maybe stuck in neutral as far as not really changing your business model. So, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. I have a feeling that CEOs either have a really good barometer for things being off or the worst barometer for things being <laughs> off, right? Um, some of the bigger agencies that I've, I've talked to, you, you sort of see the insular bubble that sometimes that, that founder gets put in. You know, they get, they get sort of put on a pedestal of, you know, always keep them happy, always, always sort of be selling the idea of how great things are and never get them upset and never give them bad news. Um, I've certainly seen that a few times, but, but most CEOs, owners, the ones I work with, like to work with, um, they come to you and they're like, some, some didn't feel right. Um, it's either a business number that's bugging them or it's just an issue, an issue in the marketplace that's, that's doing it. And, and the really smart ones, Marcel, to answer your question, which is a great question. The really smart ones are the ones that come to you and say, things are too good. <laughs> it's making me nervous. I do have a client right now that I'm working with. I love working with them. And they, he came to me and said, I don't like how good this feels. Something, 
something, I'm not thinking of something because I'm, I'm in neutral. I'm just coasting. Help me sort of look ahead. And that's, that's what we're spending a lot of our time on. That's awesome. I mean, as a consultant, that's obviously the best uh, place to enter into a business because you generally have a lot to work with in that case. And that, you know, people are open and there's deals flowing and you can see results faster. So that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's a lot, I know a lot of people, and I'm sure you do too, that are out there helping agencies, but they're all doing it you know, for different niches, for different business sizes, maybe solving different problems like you and I, we serve the same person, but we help them with different things. Um, In your eyes, what is the difference? I think there's a couple of solutions out there too, right? There's coaches, there's consultants, there's mentors, and then there's kind of more leveraged things. So group coaching programs, masterminds, there's quite a landscape of uh, solutions out there. In your mind, where is the role of a coach fit in there? And how does that kind of differ from some of the other people that you might bring in to help? You know, the, uh, the coaching, I'm so glad you asked this. The word coach is starting to bother me. And, and I've, <laughs> I've got to think a little bit for my own business, like about, you know, am I a coach? What does that mean? There's a lot of coaches. Like everybody, I feel like five, six, seven years ago, Marcel, if you were like, I'm a business coach, people would be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> um, the only business coach that was out there was Tony Robbins. And that was back when he was, you know, hawking books on infomercials. Um, I, you know, the, the role of a coach, let's use that word, I think is to advise the CEO. I guess in my case, it's really the, the, the person I prefer to sort of work directly with. Um, you know, to give them counsel, to sort of help them think around corners. Um, the, the problem, the mistake that I think a lot of agencies, uh, at least in my experience, make is that they think that a coach is supposed to do. Hmm. And so it's that uh, will come in and sort of help us fix this. And I always say, look, my job is not to fix this. Your job is to fix this. And I'm going to kind of coach you through why you feel like maybe that problem isn't fixable or isn't getting fixed by you and your, and your team. And so really kind of almost, you know, doing a psychological profile on what are the fundamental issues within your agency that are preventing you guys from attacking that and addressing it and, and changing it. Um, and sometimes it's not this, it's not the, the symptom to use your, you know, analogy earlier, you know, it's, you're really looking for the disease. Hmm. Sometimes it's very much, it's cultural. And I've got an agency that I'm working with right now. That's a great agency, but man, the second you try to change something inside that organization, the teams just, they just, they lock down. They do not want to do anything out of the way that they've traditionally done it. And so the reason that they're not growing, the reason that they're having some challenges is that every time you try to tweak, every time you try to kind of say, hey, we've got to change where we're doing things, there's this lockdown, this paralysis. So part of what we're doing is kind of going in and saying, okay, let's just talk about overall change management, how, how it works. You can't introduce something and expect it to happen. Like you're going to have to go through a series of steps to sort of make that change slowly but surely begin to feel almost like it's their idea that it's their initiative that they're pushing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, coaches are there to kind of keep you pointed in the right direction and to ask you questions that maybe you're afraid to ask yourself. 
Um, and the, and the biggest problem I think a lot of agencies have is they're like, Hey, come in and come in and coach me. And what I mean is, could you run half this agency? Because I don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, I made the mistake of doing it's right. Smart. Yeah. I mean, that to me is more of a consultant. You're just generally going to hire a consultant for some kind of a deliverable or initiative. In, in some cases, consultants are generally going to do a little bit more doing coaches to your point much more strategic. And then mentors, I believe, are just people that you don't pay, like they're peers that you're basically calling when you have a question. And they don't even have to be relevant domain expertise. It could just be like, hey, I'm having a personal issue with someone at work. Like, can you call somebody that you think might have had that experience before? Um, But a lot of people confuse mentorship with the rest of the stuff. But to me, that's just like, somebody in your network that you can get on yeah. a phone call with if you're struggling and a coach and I, is, it's a much more structured relationship. Right. And, I, and I'll be honest, Marcel. I mean, when you coach, you coach and you mentor and you consult and you counsel and you're, <laughs> you're, you're doing all of that. And the, yeah. I think the, the, my job is to make sure I know what lane I'm supposed to be in. Um, you know, I'm, I'm part of this coaches group, uh, but it's coaches that do all kinds of business coaching. And one of my fellow coaches in that group has a, a new client and we, we get together every month and just have a conversation about kind of how our practices are going. And he's like, I have this client who just literally wants to talk to me and he wants to pay me to just talk to him. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what to do with that. And we're all like, dude, do it. Like, that is great. Like he, he wants, he wants to essentially have a mentor but in the form of kind of coaching and consulting. Right. So you just have to kind of figure out which lane you want to approach it and then be able to draw on each of those verticals um, because there's tools in those toolboxes that are going to be important. I, I have a lot of clients who there are days you sit down and you can just tell, okay, we're, we're not going to talk about your pipeline today because you just need someone to bitch to. need... <laughs> what's going on? Talk to me. Okay. And that's kind of what your day is going to be. Yeah, totally. I can certainly resonate with that. It from day to day, yeah, you have to be able to adapt. Yeah. I think that brings me into my next question, which is somebody that does want to bring somebody into their organization to help, um, like a coach, what are some of the important things that they need to make sure they get right on both sides of the equation to get a lot of value out of that relationship. So I think there's a lot of, and we've alluded to a few of them, a lot of mistakes that can happen um, that end up making that relationship not as productive as it could be. So what are kind of the keys to success there when you're working with somebody in this capacity? I, I would say, Marcel, that one of the biggest things that I, I always have to kind of work with agencies that come with the problem and the solution already in mind, right? You know, we, we want you to help us with this and, and here's how we'd like to go about it. And because what oftentimes I feel like happens is, and I had a, it's interesting, I had a, a meeting with a prospective client just last week, and they were very convinced they knew that they needed help with this one thing. And as I'm sitting there talking to them and asking them questions, I'm like, I said, look, I can help you with that. I'm just not sure I should be. I mean, I can take your money and I can absolutely help you with that but I think that your problems are further upstream and here's a process that I think you guys should go through. Um, so I think one is coming to the table with a willingness to ask questions and, and hear. 
uh, one of the first things I do, and, and, and a lot of clients, I think, sometimes are very overwhelmed by it is when I first sit down with an agency, I ask a ton of questions. And some of them are, sell, are very uncomfortable questions, right? Um, that get to things that really poke at what we sometimes like to hear about ourselves. Um, and so, you know, typically I think the biggest thing that every agency should be sort of recognizing is, okay, what's bugging you? Like I always ask clients, like, what is keeping you up at night? Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't tell me like, oh, we need to improve our deck. Like our pitch deck just, I feel like it's, we're not, we're getting feedback when we're in pitches that our decks aren't as nice as other agencies. That's one example. But I really try to push that and be like, okay, but when it comes to your business, what is the thing that's keeping you up at night? You know, what, what are you thinking about when you stare at the ceiling at 2 a.m.? And that's when, that's when you start to get into the like, I feel like we're getting, I just feel like we're getting crushed by these other three agencies that we're falling behind. Okay, why do you feel like you're falling behind? Well, boom, boom, boom. And then you start kind of really peeling back the layers. Um, but I don't know, yeah, I mean, so I, I think the biggest issue is, you know, agencies coming to the table with their problem and their solution already figured out and they want to outsource the labor and the mental capacity to fix it. Mm, yeah, it, it's funny um, how reminiscent that is of some of the dysfunctional client uh, and client and agency <laughs> relationships that start to manifest. Yeah. We should have a lot of empathy for that situation, actually. And having run an agency, I'm like, ah, and, and, and you know, you're absolutely right. And, and I think, Marcel, that it, like, agencies have to stop with approaching the world around them like they do client problems, right? We, we are, we're, we are in a yes man business and, and it drives me absolutely bonkers. And I don't care how many agencies I talk to, they're like, no, we push back on clients. I'm like, but at the end of the day, you do what the client wants you to do and you take the money and you, that's just how this business works. And I think that agencies, when it comes to looking at themselves, sometimes fall into those patterns of sort of glossing over the real problem to sort of keep the process moving and keep things happy instead of really just stopping and saying, okay, guys, time out, bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. This is wrong. We're going to stop ourselves and we're going to focus on this thing because it's going to become a bigger problem. Um, and, and there's a process that I love going through. You've probably heard of it. I did not invent it. Um, it's called looping, but it, it sort of manifests itself through a, a process called the five whys. Mm, you know, somebody yeah. asks you, okay, so what's your biggest growth problem? And they give you an answer. Oh, you know, our, we're, we don't have good presenters. Well, why? And you just keep asking that question so that you push beyond the surface answer that you typically get. And that's where most agencies start. They, they give you that first level why. And I try to get them way down to level five. And that's when stuff starts coming up, Marcel, like, well, we just don't have a very experienced leadership team. And it's like, okay, now we're talking. Let's get into why that problem could be inhibiting your ability to grow. Right. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely love, you know, a process like this. And I think to your point, it's really dangerous when, you know, you come with what you think your problem is and your solution already. Um, and I liken that to, you know, going to the doctor and getting a medication for something when you really need to change your diet and exercise habits. Oh yeah. Uh, right. My and bro- my brother's a doctor. He will tell you all about that. <laughs> right. And I'm sure like, that really? really your chest hurts. Maybe you should stop smoking and lose some weight. 
Right. And, and, and the other thing that you mentioned too, is expecting somebody else to do the work. But the reality is if you've got problems in your business, there's a chance that, um, you know, you have to make some really hard decisions and you have to do some really hard work. And if you bring in a consultant, and I've seen this happen a lot of times is you bring in somebody to write an SOP or Mm -hmm. to change a process. And it just, it's not sustainable. Most of the time, it doesn't really work. And the mechanism or the person that you've brought in, they're not a part of your organization. So that's not a repeatable thing. It's not something that's really going to be able to be fixed or evolve effectively over time. So um, I think those are two really important points that when you bring somebody in, you have to be prepared to do the work. And unfortunately, a lot of uh, people, I think, just find themselves in a place where they're struggling. They feel like they're drowning and they are looking for a safety vest or a buoy to hang on to. And um, that's not always going to be the case with a coach. They're going to be there to show you the way, but you've got to swim. Well, and and I'll be honest, man. I mean, I have made, I have certainly made mistakes of playing, I I call it, you know, sort of playing Mary Poppins. Like Mm -hmm. you sort of dive in, you know, you swoop in and you become very enmeshed within the household and you're really relied upon and trusted and everybody sort of develops this relationship with you. And then you go to try to leave and, you know, classic Disney ending everyone's like, Oh, but no. And like, you sort of get very flattered by, Oh, you know, see how important I am. But that's the wrong way to do it. Like when you are becoming so integrated into the the agency you're working with that you can't extract yourself without things kind of falling apart or people getting nervous, then you haven't really done a good job uh, coaching and advising. And and I made that mistake a lot early on. I, 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 I very much, that's an agency mindset of sort of being a savior, being a hero, you know, swooping in and kind of saving the day. Um, but yeah, so that, that would be my advice. Don't, don't hire a Mary Poppins. <laughs> or a, I don't know what's the male version of Mary Poppins. I, I can't, I can't think. Sorry. My kids are all watching. Mary <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah, but it, to your point, it's not sustainable for either party. You know, if you've yeah. got, if you've got to pay somebody to be there all the time to make sure that things are moving in the business, then that's not really a good situation to be in. Yep. So I want to zoom out from this conversation and I want to get a little bit tactical as well, because I know you have a lot of expertise around new business positioning and sales. And so mm-hmm. I just want to quick pivot, jump into that yeah. and extract some, some golden nuggets from your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically my question is, cause I'm, I'm of the proponent that if you can create a process that generates predictable opportunities in your pipeline. If you know, I can do X amount of activity, or if, you know, if we do something, we can expect to get opportunities in our pipeline, then that gives you a tremendous amount of leverage in being able to change your pricing, change your process, you know, say no to business. I think that's such an important one. Say no to business. It's not a good fit. Avoid that indigestion. I just think it's such a powerful thing. And I hate that most agencies don't really have that experience. They feel like they're at the mercy of the shifting tides of the market and the needs of their clients, et cetera. So yeah. in your mind, what are some of the most important things that agencies can do to set themselves up for a situation where they feel like they have a little bit more control over their pipeline and their new business? Great, great question. Um, it, the control part of business development is where I definitely try to spend the most amount of time. I I always say, you know, I mean, biz dev is always going to feel a little out of control because um, it isn't entirely predictable. And 
I think we need to try to stop trying to predict it. But you should have a much, agencies should have a much better grasp on it um, than they do, right? It always feels a little bit like, um, uh, you know, the, there's that uh, comedian, Jeff, Jim Gaffigan, you know, he's got like, I think he's got five kids now and he has this great line where he's like, you know, I've, you know, now have five children. Somebody once asked me, what's it like to have five children? And he goes, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. That's what having five children is like. Business development at a lot of agencies sometimes feels like you're drowning and somebody hands you a baby because you just can't, you're like, I can't fit this into my orbit. Like that is the wrong way to sort of feel in control of business development. So a lot of times what I, what I try to do is just talk with an agency about, okay, first and foremost, what's your philosophy? Are, are you, do you want to be selective? Do you want to focus on, you know, clients at a certain tier? Um, or are you just kind of a, whatever walks in the door, we say, yes, let's do it. And, and I have agencies that are both. I have agencies that very much are, we're going to respond to every request we get because that's, that's our philosophy. So in that case, you're trying to sort of help them be a lot more sort of efficient and productive in their process of responding to that. And then in other instances, you have agencies that are like, no, we are, we do not want to be just doing every jump ball that comes into our, our zone. And so you get to sort of say to them, okay, well, then how do we put you in control of being very focused on only pursuing certain opportunities? And it's really less about process and it's more about prioritization. Mm-hmm. And those are the agencies that I think have, an, a, if you do it right, have a, have a sort of a need to accept that everything is a long play. It's a long game. You know, you want to go after brands X, Y, Z, because those are your key, you know, marquee kind of markets where you see a lot of, you know, opportunity to kind of do what you do, but you're not working with them. Okay. So then what's the, what's, what are we going to do to kind of position you guys with the right players? versus this agency over here that's, you know, we get, we just get tons of RFPs and that's the work we do. And so we have to respond. Well, then let's break down your process so that that RFP response process is not so chaotic. You guys aren't here every Saturday and Sunday trying to, you know, bang out. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like the the context because that is important and agencies have different goals, you know, and some of them want to grow really fast and some of them want to stay the same size. And to your point, some of them want to work with specific clients that are at a specific place and others just want to do work uh, of all different shapes and sizes. Now, assuming that um, an agency, you know, regardless of, of how much work they want to do generating leads, I'm sure is always a challenge generating opportunities. I'm sure is something that you talk about ad nauseum with your clients. It's a conversation that I always try to avoid because it's not my, it's not my thing. It's not what I do, but it always seems to come up. Um, Yeah. yeah. Any, any final advice for agencies on that might be struggling to, you know, get a consistent amount of opportunities on their radar on how they can start to maybe, explore that issue and improve it? Well, I mean, again, it goes, I think it goes back to sort of what's your, what's your philosophy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see a lot of agencies that, that sort of, you know, will come to me and in the process of working with them, they're like, oh, you know, we, we just feel like we're kind of getting these smaller budget. We're not getting the big opportunities we'd like to get. And so you kind of do an autopsy on a lot of things going on within their business development process. And you realize well, part of it is that you guys are being reactive in your business development and not proactive. 
And by proactive, I don't mean cold calling. I don't mean like building lists and shooting out emails and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes it's, you know, especially with small to mid-sized firms, it's like, why should, what do agencies need to know about you that, that you own? Like, what is the space you're going to own that other agencies can't? So I, I've got an agency up in Seattle right now that I've been working with for a couple of years. Fantastic agency. They do amazing work. They're really good at what they do. And, you know, their CEO came to me and was like, they're just not getting those next level, you know, C-suite, big budget opportunities. And I finally said, you know, you guys got to go out and say something, make, make some noise, like put a flag in the ground about what you guys believe and and pick an issue, a problem in the sort of C-suite, you know, CMO universe of problems when it comes to working with brands and make a statement, you know, do something. And so I think a lot of times it's really just a process of ditching the sort of traditional pipeline. Every agency needs to have a pipeline and kind of know, okay, here's the runway of new revenue that we think we can net this year. But you have to go beyond that. It's not just, you know, oh, let's call Jeff, the CMO over here and go have lunch with him. That's great. Jeff probably already has an agency, probably has other, you know, services that is, you know, our, our agencies are turning to for services in different areas. But why should Jeff care? Like, do something that's not about Jeff, but that's about you that Jeff goes, hmm, I need to talk to those guys because that is information that I need to know. And I just, I think that's, again, it goes back to your question earlier. You know, agencies have to start treating themselves like clients, like treat your brand, your agency, like your most important client, um, because that's when we'll start doing stuff like that that really, you know, makes the right noise and kind of positions you and gets you seen and heard. I love it. And we allude a little bit um, to the process on how to actually achieve that in the episode on the Dendrocast where I came on and talked about how you should be investing your employees time when they're not over-servicing clients instead of over-servicing clients. So make sure you flip over. I'm trying to get myself more, more agencies to hear that and go, Hey, here's what you should be doing with that great profit margin that you're, (laughs) you're making. Don't go buy that Porsche, you know, go, go do a thought leadership study that no one else in your industry has done and then market the hell out of that. This is uh, this is all interesting stuff. Yeah. And get your team to invest some time because you have a talented team. Why not use it? Yeah, absolutely, man. So Zach, I want to leave the audience with all the different ways that they can follow up if they like what they heard today, if they want to follow your thought leadership. So obviously there's the Dendro cast, which will be in the show notes, but where is where are the other places that they should connect with you if they want to hear more about what you have to say? Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that uh, obviously folks can do is just go to our website, thinkdendro.com. Um, there's not a ton of fancy stuff on that website. It's really kind of a landing page that just talks a little bit about the work that I do. Um, but, you know, that's an easy way to get in touch. Um, the podcast, please. Yeah. Uh, thank you for promoting that. Um, you know, definitely something to sort of keep pace with some of the issues I'm working on. I have a tendency, I'm sure as you do, Marcel, to do issues each week that are issues that I'm readily and actively actually working on or dealing with. So I, I, I often say, Hey, do you want to know what I'm up to? The podcast is a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the show has its own website, dendrocast.com. Um, by the way, I, do you know what the, the whole dendro, I get this question a lot, that the whole dendro 
meaning is people are like, what the hell is a dendro? I have no idea, actually. That's a good question. This will be a good way to end. So, so dendro comes from the scientific field called dendrochronology, which is the analysis and scientific and ecological study of a tree's rings. And the huh. reason that dendrochronologists do that is they're trying to figure out the sort of growth history, what, what kind of conditions led to this particular tree's growth to where it is today, what sort of you know, challenges has it and its ecosystem around it had in order to get where it's been to today. And they also do that as a way of being able to sort of forecast and project its ability to continue to grow. You know, is it, is it healthy growth that it's had or is it going to continue to struggle and are there things we could do to kind of, you know, inject things into the ecosystem around it to help it continue to grow. So that is where the dendro part comes from. I, I thought that that was super obvious and that's why I named my company the Dendro Group. And people are always like, what the hell is a Dendro? So now you know. Now your listeners are... Now we know. I've just learned something scientific today. I wasn't expecting that. I've learned a lot of things today, Zach, (laughs) including some science. There you go. Thanks to you for that. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. The Dendro Cast and the Dendro Group. Links to both of those in the show notes, as well as a link to a Wikipedia article on what Zach just mentioned and links to your social media, which I'll leave in there as well. So make sure you go and follow Zach. Um, And with that, I just want to thank you for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate your time and all the knowledge that you dropped. Hey, listen, brother, this has been great. What a great little friendship too. I mean, I I have a lot of respect for what you do. Um, I I read your stuff. I listen to your show. Um, This is great format and a great forum for your specialization. And uh, always happy to to be a guest on your show because it's a good one. Well, I'm just so flattered. I don't even know what to say. So what I will say is thank you. And thanks to everyone listening at home and make sure you tune in for the next episode. Until then, have a great day. And we'll Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.
see you soon.